0: You're the guest. I'm not going to create work for you. I <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm like, do I know where my headphones are? <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's your host Natalia for another episode of More Than a Pretty Face. Today I am so, so jazzed to be talking with Julia Seals. Julia is a screenwriter, author, all around amazing human being. Um, Julia, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yes, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this is Julia. <laughs> <laughs> Excited to be chatting with you today.
0: Me, too. Um, so I met Julia through her special man friend. Um, I
1: don't know what to call it. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I like special man friends.
0: Special man friend. Is that, is that how he's, his name is going to be changed in your phone? Um, Anthony Trolley, who's a gem and a joy, and also a writer, director, and many other multiple hyphenates. Um, but... I learned about you, and I was like, this lady is so cool, I have to have her on the show. Um, So you just finished writing your first novel called A Most Agreeable Murder.
1: Yes, that is correct. Technically, it will be my first novel that will be published. I've written a lot of other novels that have not been published, and this is finally the one that hit, so I'm very excited.
0: So can you start off, like, telling me you were like, oh, I'm going to sit down and write a novel and then just, like, get a multiple book deal, and then I'll just also have that adapted into, you know, movies, but whatever. <laughs>
1: like... Um, yeah, I mean, I have, I've wanted to be a novelist since I was a kid, and so I, I wrote my first full book when I was 17. Um, it was a very insane, high fantasy mermaid type <laughs> book um, and I just like kept writing books as as much as I could um, but the, I wrote this book mostly during COVID and it was kind of the project that kept me sane so I would work on it pretty much every day and it was it's very much Jane Austen mixed with Agatha Christie so it was like my two favorite worlds and I'll just live in this happy place so that I don't have to think about all the insanity that's going on
0: that's fair in terms
1: of the movie deal that's just yeah it it definitely has been a whirlwind
0: um when you were writing it did you think like oh this this one is special this is the one
1: i think i spent a lot of time in the past writing books that i thought were i would i would be like you know what, this this is what's hot right now. This is what's going to sell. I'll write teen dystopian or YA drama. You know, I tried for a lot of years to figure out what was popular, and this is the book where I finally was like, no, I'm going to write just what I love. And I do think that passion makes such a difference because I revised it more than I have revised any other project, and I didn't get sick of it because... I loved it. So, I think there's a lot to say about just staying true to yourself and your own voice and what you're passionate about. And it will come through and make that project sparkle in a way that when you try to follow trends, that just doesn't work out.
0: <laughs> so, how, walk me through the process of like how you even got here. Cause I remember Anthony like talk like when I first met him, he was like, oh yeah, like I'm editing my girlfriend's book and. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. She wrote a book. Like, I, I'm not that cool. Um, but, like, how, you know, how did you get to, you know, like, book deal through editing and, and all of that?
1: Well, Anthony and then my roommate Maddie, who actually works in publishing, were my two little, and my mom. They were my three beta readers. I was always <laughs> like, can you look at this and tell me if I'm crazy? But I I really just stick to the, what I call the Stephen King method, which is 2,000 words a day, that's how I define it, so I really just would get up and I would, my goal every day was just 2,000 words a day, no less, no more, I mean, you can go over, but I, I stuck to that, and that's how I was able to finish the first draft, and then it was really just a lot of editing, I worked a lot with my agent, Rachel, who's amazing, and she really pushed me to do more drafts than I thought I could, but I feel like it's so much better than when I started just because she's brilliant. Um, And then she, when she felt like it was ready, she shopped it around.
0: So, okay, I want to go back, back now to, like, baby Julia. Yes. Fresh out the womb. Hello, world! Um, And (laughs) did you always want to be a writer growing up, or, you know, did you... Because I know that you also obviously do work in TV and film, which I love. Um, and so, like, I know you said you always wanted to be an author, but, like, when did this kind of spark? What were you, like, grown up? Tell me all your dark secrets.
1: I was really bad at, like, <laughs> when I was really young, I was so naughty. I, like, loved pushing the boundaries. my mom would say don't touch that I would immediately touch it (laughs) I, I just really loved storytelling I think that's what I always wanted to do is just be a storyteller whatever that looked like she my mom um is a reading specialist that was what she got her master's degree in so I read so much from a young age like I used to get in trouble for staying up all night reading under the nightlight. (laughs) So I loved, loved, loved books, and I also loved TV. I was not really allowed to watch very much TV. We were um, only allowed to watch 30 minutes of TV a day. We had to literally set a timer.
0: I understand.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I would also get up in the night and secretly watch Who's Line and sneak watch all those TV shows. (laughs) So I definitely just loved stories and anything that would be a whimsical world. I loved dressing up, playing believe. I, For a long time, I really loved theater. I did so much community theater. <laughs> um, but I think it came to a point where I was like, I want to write the stories. Um, so I guess the answer is that I really did always want to be a writer. But I think for a long time, I didn't really know what that meant in terms of actual Career steps, and so that was what took me a long time to, to figure out.
0: And when did you figure out figure that out, or how?
1: Well, I was an English major in college, and for a while, I used to tell people I was going to double major in English and economics because I was like, I don't want people to bug me for being an English <laughs> major. So be like, yeah, yeah, uh, I'll be pre law maybe. I don't know. And then uh, I just I took a couple really challenging calculus classes because I was like, I love math. And I did a horrible, like <laughs> wrecked my GPA. It was rough. And I finally just came to a crossroads where I was like, you know what? I don't want to do it. I want to be a writer. That's mm-hmm. what I want to do. And so I had one professor who was amazing, Andrea Hearn. She taught like a bunch of Jane Austen classes. And she once advised me to just study what I loved and trust that a job would follow And so I did. Um, And then for the TV and film, I started doing... My freshman year, I did theater because that was just what I knew. Uh That's what we had at my high school. But I kind of came to a point where I was like, I don't know if this is really my thing anymore. And so I just joined, like, every single club possible. And one of the clubs I joined was Vanderbilt Television. And I started making web series... And I've, I made a really, really terrible web series It was the <laughs> musical. It was so bad. Like, I hope it's scrubbed from the internet because it's... My brother cried laughing at it. He still talks about it. <laughs> but it was a great way to sort of fail and meet really cool people I could collaborate with. I still am in touch with a lot of the people I, I made stuff with at Vanderbilt Television. And that's what kind of ushered me into that world.
0: So did you, right after college, did you like move to LA or did you stay at home for a bit?
1: I moved back home um, after college and I'm, I'm from Kentucky originally. So I had kind of potential jobs that fell through and so I finally decided I moved home. I was a waitress for a year, and I just basically took the money I made in tips and traveled, and then tried to save. But I'm a shopaholic, so Ooh, girl. <laughs> oh girl, you don't even need um, to tell me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I waitress for a year while living at home, and I worked on my grad school applications because at that point I knew wanted to go to grad school, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do fiction writing or screenwriting, and so I just did a ton of research, and I wrote a full, fresh script for my applications. Uh-huh. So it was, I mean, I'm really grateful for that time as a waitress, because my schedule allowed me to be able to work doubles and then take other days off and just write, and I think it would be really hard if you had, like, a different, a more demanding job, I guess, because the applications for grad school were very intensive. Like, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I basically just traveled, waitressed, and worked on applications <laughs> for a year. And then, ultimately, I got accepted into UCLA for grad school, and that's when I moved out to LA.
0: And then you've been there ever since.
1: I have much to my family's chagrin. (laughs) I
0: yep. My parents hate when I like, especially my mom. When I move, it's like, but you're gonna be far, mom. I'm an hour away. This was college. I was like, you (laughs) could come visit. An
1: hour away? Yeah, that's enough. You could go home for a weekend, even a day. Exactly. I
0: would do that. Like my senior year, when I got a car, and then I lived. I lived in Massachusetts a year after I graduated. And, um, I would drive home just, like, for the day. Like, if I had the day off, I would, like, surprise my mom at work with coffee or, like, just oh. come home. Because it wasn't far. Yeah. It was just far. Don't tell my mom,
1: because she'll be like, this is why. If you live close, you'll surprise her
0: with coffee. I would just, yeah, because she's a teacher, too. So it was, it was, um, it was fun. She would, like, I would just, like, pop up at the school. And she's worked at the same school. So, like, everybody knows who I am. So I just waltz in. <laughs> um then I um, moved to D.C. and she was like, well, that's too far. <laughs>
1: yeah, my youngest brother lives in D.C. Um, I think that everyone's hoping he'll move to Nashville. It's a little closer. <laughs> I
0: I Weirdly enough, I've met a lot of people from Kentucky that live in D.C. Like two of my really, really good friends are from Kentucky um, and they both now live in D.C. I don't know what the what are the words? The ratio? The switch? I don't know. Words are yeah. a thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, so you realized, that, you know, like screenwriting and you're in UCLA, like what was your, I guess kind of what was your path of um, breaking in? Because, you know, entertainment like this is so hard to break into, you know? Was it like begging for jobs? Is it handling, handing out resumes on the street? <laughs> How did that work?
1: Basically, I... So when I was at UCLA, I did some internships, which was really helpful. I feel like when you're a student, everyone will just, they won't say no. You can you can ask a lot more, which is nice. So I did, I did some internships, and then when I graduated, I actually ended up working at UCLA um, in their college development department for a little while, so not really in my field, but it was – um, fundraising, philanthropy. So I was, I was like, you know, I like this. I had some really amazing coworkers, but I ended up leaving that job when I got hired to work for a showrunner. And I got that position because it was like a friend of a friend, which I think is honestly, I was just having a conversation with a friend who's looking for a new job. And I told her about this position opening, and she was like, "I didn't find it on the website. Where do I apply?" I'm like, "It's all word of mouth. It's only word of mouth. You know, it's
0: yes, yes.
1: If it's on a job board, the job is already filled. So yes. it makes it impossible." At one point, my mom was like, "What if you just go to Netflix and you give them your resume and ask if they're hiring?" I'm just like, oh, "I don't know how to explain that. It's <laughs> so not. Just it knock on the door. Hey." hey. <laughs> I appreciate the get up and go. But it was it was really hard. I want I preferred taking a job outside of my field that allowed me to work really predictable hours at first and that way I could continue writing, taking meetings. Um but and then during the day I was doing a job that was a lot of just making copies, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. So I wasn't really using up any creative energy and I really liked my co workers. So it was for me that was a help in terms of being able to keep myself going, pay my rent, work with great people, but not expand expand like all my creative energy in a job that I, I think that's what I've seen a lot when people have difficult assistant jobs is just Working grueling hours, expending all your creative energy, and it's kind of a gamble for what you'll get out of it. But it, I yeah. think you, a lot of people can't. I I so then when I was a showrunner's assistant, I did get a lot out of that. So those positions can be really amazing. I worked for a very talented showrunner, John Collier, and he was working on two pilots, and um, I he was just I learned so much from him, and so that was that was a great sort of entree <laughs> into the world of TV. Um, and then after that, I worked as the writer's assistant for Mr. and Mrs. Smith on Amazon.
0: Now, are you now, like, working full-time on, you know, adapting your book for the film, or?
1: I am. I'm So, I'm working full-time now on edits uh, of my book with my editor over at Random House, and then I'm also working on adapting it into a screenplay, which is a huge change for me because I kind of have given you the highlights of what jobs I've worked, but honestly, I have pretty much never said no to a job. I've done everything from showing apartments to listing <laughs> to I was a TA for a computer communications class. I've done the, so many random jobs, painted mailboxes. Babysat. I've done so many strange odd jobs, but I just had the keep all going and I never said no to things. So now it's very strange to feel like, oh, I'm actually full time doing what I want to do as opposed to just trying to fit in some time in the mm-hmm. cracks to work on my projects. But you, yes, I am full time now.
0: Do you feel like that, um, that's brought its own stress? Cause I think, you know, we always think, you know, when we make it to the dream, Mm-hmm. we're gonna be like oh everything's you know beautiful and perfect and we're doing a dance but has this like brought its own stressors with it uh, that you didn't see coming
1: no everything's beautiful and perfect <laughs> <laughs> I was like well <laughs> on one hand it's pretty amazing to be like I can get up and be paid to do what I wanna do I still pinch myself everyday I cannot believe that's real on the other hand I think there, I feel a lot of pressure because it is that thing of like this is what I've always wanted to do don't mess it up don't mess it up you had to do a good job and I think that's that's the catch is feeling like you've wanted something for so long and then when you have it you're just terrified you're gonna mess it up which is how I feel but it's also exciting
0: I feel that because that's, like, always the fear, though, when you get to the moment, is it going to live up to everything that you had originally believed it would be? And I think, yeah. like, you never you never know until until you're there, like, living, living the dream. Um, now, like, your normal day, you wake up, like you said, you get paid to do what you, you know, want to do. How do you structure yourself, you know?
1: So I find... The most helpful thing for me personally is to have an overall deadline which i usually ask for so with my editor currently i asked her when she wanted this man this latest manuscript and then i work backwards from the deadline and just think i try to break it up into small chunks so i i think it can be really overwhelming to be like oh i have to write this entire manuscript or in this case revise versus if you break it up and say okay I have to revise two chapters a day that feels more manageable so that's usually how I structure it is I have an overall goal for the day it's usually small but manageable and then I try to not procrastinate all day but it's hard you know I I think that's why I like having small manageable goals each day because then if something comes up you know you have an appointment you know a social event whatever you you can still make your goal for example we just had a Christmas in July party it was (laughs) so fun but we literally made a full Christmas dinner for it so I baked Four trays of potatoes. We I made Anthony peel twenty five pounds of potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) That was very time consuming that day, but I woke up early that day knowing okay, I have plans all day, so I have to do my two chapters at seven AM. And so that's and then I did it. So I think having those manageable small goals is for me the only way I've ever been able to actually finish a project because thinking about the whole is so much more overwhelming than thinking about
0: those little pieces. I know, because I can feel like it could be so overwhelming to, Us. like, think, like, oh, I have, like, this entire book that they want edits done. And I don't know about you, like, at, for me, it's so hard. Like, once I finish, like, a draft of something, like, I have to have somebody else read it because I yes. can't make any edit, Like, Because I'm going to be like, well, I wrote this draft, so it's fine. I think it's fine. You know, like, so you need someone to tell you what's wrong with it because you're not going to see things that are wrong.
1: Well, I also think, like, it's great to think about it. Like, if someone is giving you notes, that means they have a vision for how it can improve. It doesn't mean something's wrong. It just means this can be even better. Because I think it's easy to get burned out, like, oh, I have to change it again. But ultimately, I've learned to not resist notes because I think in almost every case, if you're working with someone who understands your vision and is smart, which I've been, you know, very grateful to be able to work with lots of really smart people, they will tell you how to make it better. And I... By not resisting notes, I always just try to be silent, take the note, even if I don't mm-hmm. like it, and just think about it, and try the change. And every time I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, it, it is better. Ugh, I hate that. <laughs> when you're like, I don't want to do this, this is, this is a terrible idea, I guess I'll try it, it's going to be awful, and then it's like, they were right all along.
0: All along. All I yeah. I think about that too, because um, I think, at least when I'm like writing, I look at something and I'm like oh this totally makes sense because like you see the whole thing in your head yeah and the other person doesn't and you're like but what are you talking about it means this this and this you're like well you didn't put that I was like but I did right there like that doesn't make any
1: any sense to me oh and in a mystery it's so hard because there will be little clues and you change things and then suddenly you're missing a piece my roommate is amazing catching those tiny tiny details she'll be like well in this you know you said the color was this color but then in this paragraph you said a different color it's like how did you remember that but thank goodness you did because i sure didn't catch it
0: and that's so i i love mystery so i'm like actually really jazzed um i will buy a physical copy of this book uh (laughs) uh, so (laughs) you got (laughs) one um but I'm I'm like thinking like how constructing a mist like how how, because I just I feel like I'm not clever enough or like witty enough to, to like put all the clues together so it makes sense at the end.
1: Oh, you totally could. It's I mean for me it's all about working backwards. You can really make people think you're clever just by working backwards. So you just think about what what you want the clue to be at the end and then plan write that and then go plant it early and then people read it and they're like wow that was amazing everything tied together it's like yeah because I just went back
0: (laughs) I've known who the killer is
1: (laughs) yeah but I also read so many mysteries like I said I love Agatha Christie but I love any mystery that they say is similar to Gone Girl and like Graham there I've read so many of them I'll sometimes start reading one and be like I've already read this one
0: (laughs) It's like, when oh, I'm done.
1: <laughs> I, I love them. I, and I have. I think being such a fan of mysteries was really helpful because I had a real checklist of what I love in a mystery and what I felt like was necessary. I am a very big proponent that I think the reader should be able to solve it. I hate it, but mm. there's some sort of thing at the end that you didn't know. How would you have known? And so I think that all the clues should be there for the reader to be able to guess who the, you know, whoever the culprit, suspect, whatever, is. That's one of my big things. I also think there should be more than one twist because if Mm. there's just one twist, it feels like everything hinges on that. And if you guess it, you kind of feel a little disappointed, like, oh, well, I kind of saw the end coming. But if there are two twists or more, (laughs) hopefully if you guessed one, you didn't guess the other. So those are two of my big... As a reader, they're things that I love. So I wanted to make sure I tried to make that happen as a writer.
0: Now, do you watch, like, the old, like, TV shows? Like, I am obsessed with Angela Lansbury, so I watch Murder, She Wrote constantly. Or, like, a Matlock or a Columbo. This
1: is so bad. I've never seen Murder, She Wrote. I recently was, like watch this. I was very obsessed with Monk growing up. That was my...
0: I love Monk. It's a perfect show. It's honestly like, show. it's a near perfect show.
1: So, Sharon I worked for actually wrote on Monk. <laughs> and I felt like I was constantly... He also um she ran Bones for a while, which oh. was also a big, mm-hmm. a big show for me. So, it was very exciting because I think he had such great insight into plotting a mystery so I did I feel like I also learned a lot from John in terms of how to how to plot out a mystery and make it feel satisfying with clues he's he's very very detail oriented so that it helped me learn I I think I'm more character and plotty so it made me learn okay (laughs) details are important
0: (laughs) Okay, but I am going to yell at you that you need to watch Murder, She Wrote, I because...
1: Know. Honestly, I might actually start watching tonight. I'm going to write it's... myself
0: a <laughs> <laughs> It's like, hold if on, I, everybody.
1: <laughs> I, if I don't write things down, I will not remember. If it's not on my calendar, I won't be there.
0: <laughs> See, I also like writing things down. I get that from my mom, but my mom like writes things down, and then she will forget she wrote something down on that paper and then throw it away. And I'm like, Mom. Then what's the point of writing? She goes, I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the act of writing it. Do you have just one planner? Do you have one? Planner? Yeah, I
0: just have one. Like I like to have like one that I can like stick in a purse,
1: because yeah.
0: anytime I'm out, like I am not a putting it in my phone. I don't know. Like that's just never been my thing. I'm less likely to look at it versus like a physical thing that I have to flip and write and all of that jazz. It's
1: just like all those years of growing up with a planner. Yes. All- oh my goodness, I loved my planner. I found an old calendar I had as a kid, and I had scheduled time for myself to play Neopets. <laughs> I'm like, I wasn't doing anything else, but I was like, I better put it on the calendar. Pencil it in.
0: You're like, I'm a busy person. I yes. need time to <laughs> play with my Neopets and yeah. do my homework
1: yeah if I don't schedule it
0: you know I just I wouldn't, wouldn't happen. well okay I mean yes definitely watch and then let me know what you think because I just I love oh. Angela it's just such a comforting show but I agree I love I love the monks I love psych I love like <laughs> those things like that just I love um I've been re-watching lie to me uh recently I, I don't know if you ever watched that one
1: Is that the one where he can um, tell if if someone's lying based on all their... Yeah. Yes. I've seen a little bit of it. My grandma is also a huge fan of crime shows, so we will often share recommendations, and she loved Lie to Me. It's
0: so... I'm really upset. I was talking about this with my sister. We're so upset they didn't get another season. They needed a fourth season. This is our...
1: She... She... Pat would agree.
0: (laughs) It's just such a good show, and they needed another season. Anyway, that's my gripe for another time about my shows that should have gotten another season, yet we have, like, certain shows that are still on TV, and you're like,
1: why? Oh, that's how I feel about Pushing Daisies. Did you ever watch Pushing
0: No, but I heard that was also a show that got ended way too soon.
1: It really did, and that's also a really good one. I, I love those procedural mysteries where it's like, just the mystery is started and solved within the episode. It's so mm-hmm. satisfying. It's that was that was another great, and it had such a whimsical twist to it. I mm-hmm. I loved. It's so pretty to watch. And Kristen Chenoweth sings. Right, You're like how
0: can you not love it?
1: How could you not? She's such a star. <laughs> I think it's about like four and a half feet.
0: <laughs> I I wonder about that now. Like in terms of of TV, like I think it's cool that we're going to that, you know, it's like, okay, 13 episodes is, you know, because, like, 22 episodes was a lot in a season. It, a it It is a lot. But I'm also thinking, like, I feel like sometimes, like, some, some shows have, like, too much going on, or, like, too plotty. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. Yes. I know what you're saying. I feel like sometimes... Well... Or, or it's, like, they try to force it to have another season when it really didn't need to. I felt that way about Big Little Lies. Like, mm. I, I really enjoyed the first season, but then it was like, I feel like we're kind of done here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, so do we need another one?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like with the new structure of how many episodes are in each season, it's like we're still trying to figure out the pacing of everything. Because it is a shift, and a lot of us didn't grow up watching necessarily... That kind of pace. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is very different.
0: Cause, like, I feel like you, we, there has to be about. Like, did you watch Ginny and Georgia?
1: I watched a lot of it. I I kind of stopped watching. I should, Honestly,
0: I don't blame. I, I have feelings. I
1: have,
0: <laughs> because it was marketed to me as like a, a modern Gilmore Girls. I was like, don't you dare besmirch their names.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was I. So my roommate and I were watching it because we love to. W- when it's just the two of us watching TV, we like to find really girly shows. So we just finished Sex and the City and Younger. Mm-hmm. Now we're watching Will and Grace. We love uh, those kinds love. of things. So we started watching it together, and we were so perplexed about what the tone was. Supposed- it was. Thank you. To me, Thank I was very confused
0: it was like let's throw a biracial daughter in there let's throw in a crazy mom like let's throw a murder in there like there and the
1: was through me I was like I thought that well like you said I was kind of expecting because they comped it to more Girls I was like so this is gonna be sort of a mother-daughter drama you know I'm totally there for that then I was like wait there's a murder and also crime in the past I don't know it-
0: It was very confusing, and the mom was, like, more manipulative than, like, whimsy, where, like, Lorelai's, like, more whimsy and quirky, you know what I mean? And it just, and, like, it's, like, the severe, like, lying that her, that George, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really, to me, click in the way that I feel like it's supposed to click, and the daughter is just... Not a fan of Jenny. Will I watch a second season? Absolutely. But, like, (laughs) but I'm just saying.
1: I feel like maybe a show like that, I, I, when it's, when a show is comped to another show and you can't help comparing it the whole time you're watching, I do think that's sometimes a disservice because maybe they had a specific thing they were going for, but because we had in our minds Gilmore Girls, maybe it gave us a different idea and then that like difference in our heads between the two made it very confusing. Whereas like yeah. maybe if we'd gone in with fresh eyes, it would have been a different experience.
0: I feel like but I still my I feel like a lot of the issues I had still make sense regardless of it being compared to Gilmore Girls. You're
1: like right, the I random, mean, murder.
0: It's problem, <laughs> random murder. Yeah. Just the random like once again. <laughs> what was happening? But like I- <laughs> But I think there has to, there has to be like, um, there has to be like a nice balance where you can, cause like I, which I know this is like a really random, uh, comparison, but like, uh, the show Sweet Magnolias that was on Netflix, which I really love and I really hope they do a second season. <laughs> like it had, like there was like that flow through story, but it also, it gave me also like a parenthood vibe where like it also could be very self-contained, in, like, one episode. And so, I don't know, that's... That's, a, that's like, an Arrow TV I'd like to see come back where, like, yes, I understand the shorter seasons, which I'm into, but I think, like, we have to figure out, like you were saying, the pacing, so it doesn't feel like we're just throwing random stuff in there because it's a Tuesday.
1: Right. And I do... I think a lot of that has to do, with, like, there's an assumption that people are just going to binge watch shows. So I do kind of like it how... Some shows are going back to releasing just once a week, like Ted Lasso the new season is just once a week, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. I, you know, can look forward to it, and they do have to be a little more contained because of that, because I have to wait a week for each episode. But then I also, last night I was like, I just want to watch Ted Lasso.
0: I want to, so like everybody keeps talking about that show and I want to watch it, but I can't, I can't do another streaming service. I can't, I can't do it in my spirit.
1: I understand that. I had to get a new phone and they gave me Apple TV for free for a year with it, so I was like, Ah. great, I'll watch Ted Lasso. Because I totally, I feel like it's going to come full circle and then we're just going to have... It's gonna. It's basically becoming cable.
0: It you're is. Gonna
1: have, you're gonna have like packages, and it comes with certain streaming services bundled together. It's just gonna come full circle. It's
0: gonna be cable again at this point. Once again, bring back Blockbuster. I've said it once. I will say it a thousand times. I will find my mom's old Blockbuster card. I will do it, and I will go there on Friday nights. Like do you still
1: have a DVD player?
0: No, I do not. But listen, <laughs>
1: <That> <laughs> I can also horrible. revitalize
0: an entire industry. <laughs> The DVD player
1: industry. I'm just waiting for, like, the next generation of hipsters to be like, you know, movies look better on VHS tapes. And to just go back. <laughs> that. Right.
0: They're being, they're doing that. I will say, like, I do like now that, you know, because I've been, like, rewatching As Told by Ginger. Amazing. On my friends Paramount Plus, because once again, I'm not getting another streaming service. Um, but like I like that I love being able to like go back and and watch the old shows you know because like they were still really good but but it's just too it's too many and I also get frustrated when like I'm searching for like a movie like I'm like oh I really want to watch this movie for some reason um and I can't find it on the 72,000 yes like I'm sorry, there's a ready, how can I, for some reason, this was like a month ago, I really wanted to watch, like, old Mary, Kate, and Ashley movies.
1: Well, yeah, what do you mean for some reason? What reason
0: <laughs> would you not?
1: There's this Holiday in the, the
0: Sun, movie. Passport to Paris, these are classic.
1: Passport to Paris is a classic movie.
0: It's so good. <laughs> that little date on top, like, by the okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and what, that joke when he says, uh, uh trespassers will be executed and then she says "Prosecuted."
0: but like tell me why I couldn't like find it anywhere like I was gonna have to pay I was like I'm sorry I have already like there's it's on none of them already like how how do I have to pay for like another situation I couldn't even rent them on Amazon like I was like this is absurd I
1: I, know I still have the VHS tapes of all of those, so I'm not getting rid of them.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, how am I going to watch them when I want to? <laughs> I have to get a VHS yeah, I layer. To
1: me with, um, I really wanted to watch this French movie called Eight Women, and I couldn't find it streaming anywhere with subtitles. So I found it a couple places, but there were no English subtitles, and I was like, I don't speak French <laughs> to understand what. They're, it's a musical, they're singing. Oh, yeah. So I had to buy the DVD, and I was like, fine, this is the one DVD I'll have on my shelf. <laughs> I but so, it is crazy. There are so many streaming services.
0: Yes, and it's insane to me. Like, or the ones, like, I really wanted to watch... Oh, gosh, what did I want to watch? I wanted to watch Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them for some reason. Like, I don't... I get in these weird moods. I was like, I need yeah. to watch this thing. And... Yeah. um it was like, you can find it on the NBC app, but it wasn't there, but it also wasn't on Peacock. So I'm like, if it's an NBC thing, it should be on Peacock. Yes. Why is it not on Peacock? Like, it should be, if it's a Paramount, it should, like... <gasps> no one can it's see me, but I'm making Disney, faces.
1: It's like how Disney used to have things in the vault. Yes. And then release from the vault. Every, all these places just have what we want. They have Mary Kate and Ashley
0: in the vault. In the, the vault, vault
1: somewhere, like, yes. We
0: have from the vault. Some of us want to watch them. them. I will watch them with reckless abandon.
1: Yes. Now I'm really. Ugh. I should write this under Murder She Wrote. Pass for to Paris. It's so good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when Anthony asked, like, why are we watching Murder She Wrote in a Mary Kate and Ashley movie? Blame Natalia. Just blame. No, no, no. <laughs> But, um, after we got on our movie bench, I'm so sorry, we got way off topic. <laughs>
1: no, I love it. Now. It so many great
0: things. <laughs> now, do you, like, so I know you're adapting, so can, well, yes, first start off, like, I want to know how you even got, like, from book, it was like, oh, I'm going to just write this book, and yay, it's getting published, to, oh, I'm also going to turn it into a movie?
1: <laughs> like, how
0: did point A get to point B so quickly?
1: Oh, I'm still asking myself that question. <laughs> um, it was really my my team, my agent and my manager, quote unquote, leaked it to executives. It's like an intentional leaking. Mm-hmm. But actually, ultimately, um, it ended up going to TriStar and we, um, they were just really passionate about the project. and um, I think I got very fortunate because... With the success of Bridgerton and the success of Knives Out, mm-hmm. my book is, you know, has elements of both of those very successful, you know, properties. And I think everyone really jumped on that. So it was really a case of just being um, at the right place in the right time, um, which has not happened in my previous projects, as I said. So I think it was really, it was really a lot of because of the success of those two projects, but I'm, because I am also a screenwriter, um, they were able to negotiate to have me, you know, write, do the adaptation, which is really exciting, because a lot of times, you know, you just have to hand (laughs) off your baby novel to someone else, and that can be really scary, and obviously, with any screenplay, usually there are lots of screenwriters on the project, and you never know, like, directors have their own ideas they want to tweak things but but the nice thing is that because it will be a book first I can be like okay I I wrote what I wanted to write in the book and if any of that gets cut then that's fine because that's in the book (laughs) so to resolve myself
0: (laughs) do you have like what I guess what's been um the scariest part of this because I feel like it can be overwhelming you know like how do you how are you dealing with all that all of a sudden because it it's two very big things at once so like how are you dealing
1: well i i have constantly been calling people i know who are you know have been through this before and asking them questions so that's been really helpful i'm always like i have more questions for you i need advice and so getting advice from mentors and people who are more experienced than I am have been very, very helpful. Um, In terms of the scariest thing, I think just having to learn everything for the first time when you feel like the stakes are so high can be very nerve-wracking. So, for example, when we were trying to sell the book as a screenplay, there were a couple moments where I had to make decisions and I would have, like, 30 minutes to decide something. And that was so stressful because mm. it was like, I don't even know, like, I don't even know what some of these things are and I have to mm. make a decision about it. So that has been a little bit, it's been a lot of just learning really fast, asking people for advice, trying to figure this out when it feels like I better make the right choice or this could all be bad, but... I think just having those mentors is, is the most helpful thing because there, I mean there's no way I would know all of these things unless I just asked someone
0: <laughs> uh, where do you where do you see you going next so I know that there's another two books coming do you see them as like follow-ups to to a most agreeable murder um, or are they gonna be like their own separate entities
1: So I really do want to write a most incredible murder as a series i have some bigger um bigger mysteries like overall mysteries for the series plotted out a little bit and i think it it will just be really fun to explore the world of the regency era in this kind of bonkers lens i've given it so i i definitely want to be able to take them to bath and you know to london all these other places but um i also have some other projects i'd really love to work on so you know it's I think it's gonna be a decision I'll make with my editor when we get further down the line but I'm just trying to you know keep thinking keep working um and keep just staying true to those ideas that I feel like are things that I'm really passionate about mm. so I can actually do a, a good job and not not ass it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair um you you were you mentioned like oh I have other products I want to work on in the days when you're like editing because you're doing that full time now do you feel bad or do you not do them at all like in terms of like going to other projects maybe like oh I'll work on this script that I've been you know been piling away at it's like oh I'll work on this for a little bit today do you do that or do you have a weird sense of guilt because you're like no but I'm being paid to do this one thing
1: little bit of both. (laughs) I try to prioritize um, A Most agreeable Murder right now, but I do have some other projects I've been working on, so it's actually kind of nice because then you know, you can spend time working on I I spend time working on A Most agreeable Murder, and then I can move on to other characters in a different world. So that's helpful to be able to switch off sometimes, because as much as I love the characters, it's just nice to to live in other worlds as well but I definitely feel that sense of guilt <laughs> but it goes both ways I feel a sense of guilt if I'm not working enough on a terrible murder and then I feel a sense of guilt if I'm not writing anything new mm-hmm. so I think I'm just doomed to feel guilty <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you have any anxiety over like calling yourself a writer you know do you feel like someone's gonna come and be like no no we made a mistake <laughs>
1: I mean, it's it's. I think I am. I've been calling myself a writer since I was like eight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think so much of me was like, if I say it, it will become true. So, I think definitely, it just it's something I've wanted so badly, and I I know I've put in the hours. But I think there's also a lot of. Because I understand a lot of people deal with that sort of imposter syndrome and feeling like, oh, no, everyone's going to say this is this is all a trick. And I've definitely thought that before, like, oh, this is a dream and I'm going to wake up. But I think the nice thing about being able to, having interned and worked in this field for a little while, is you meet both people who are amazingly talented and then you also meet people where you're like, okay, I can do better than that. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of good to meet the spectrum, because then you're like, all right, like, you know, maybe I'm not the best ever at this, but I'm at least I can I'm competent, I can do it, I know, I believe in myself, <laughs> so.
0: Do yeah, you what I will, do
1: you, I would call myself a writer confidently? Confidently,
0: <laughs> yeah. was there um was there a job or like role? I know you you talked about working with John and being his assistant and and what that was like. Do you think that's the, the job or the role that's prepared you best for this next stage in your career?
1: Definitely that was one of the most helpful jobs just because um, it was me and one other writer, Adam, the two of us were working with John just every day basically in a mini-room situation as his assistant. And so he really mentored us in a way of letting us listen to all the phone calls, walking us through everything. And, you know, some bosses, they just don't include you like that. So it was really helpful to be able to be a part of the process so fully. Being the writer's assistant for Mr. and Mrs. Smith was also incredibly... It was an incredibly great learning experience. Our showrunner, Francesca, is so talented, and I've assisted her a little bit before, and she she's just also the type of person who will answer any questions you have always walking through everything really includes everyone. She's, she is a really great leader. And so, and then obviously, you know, Donald and Phoebe are so talented. So actually also the writers on that show were amazing. Like they all were so talented in their own right. And so I think just any situation I've had where I've been able to observe really Mm -hmm. talented people and then be like, okay, how do I do what they do has been really helpful. And I I just love when leaders include those who are Mm -hmm. just starting out because it means so much to be able to be able to to learn and be included. I think some people don't realize how, how valuable
0: yeah what are what is some advice you have for you know budding baby writers what do you have you know like what what would you say to them
1: I mean I would say for me the most important part of my routine was just figuring out what works for me I think a lot of people give you advice and try to tell you what to do but the truth is you know yourself you know what works for you and just try to figure out what that is and do it. For me, it was breaking things up into small goals and then not thinking too much about the big looming deadline and just thinking about what is the little goal I have to accomplish today. But I also think one piece of advice that I always heard a lot was just write, and it's so true, I mean, You just have, you can't get discouraged, and it's so easy to get discouraged in this industry. I've I've been rejected over 200 times for previous books. I would just send it out, just get rejection after rejection, and that's, you just can't let it get you down, because if you love what you do and you feel like this is what you're supposed to be doing, you have to just keep going and, you know. It's not going to be easy to keep up your spirit sometimes, but I can tell you from the other side, I'm really glad I did.
0: Um, and the last question that I asked all my guests, sorry, guests, um, <laughs> is, is, um, is how do you describe being a woman or womanhood? Oh, that's
1: a good question. This is a really good question. Do I, can I... Can I just say, like...
0: You can say whatever you want. It's your time.
1: (laughs) I'm like, how... Can I I paint a picture? Can I... (laughs) Um, I feel like being a woman is so much about internal strength. I think that's really what I feel and what I've seen
0: i like that short sweet like no it's good
1: (laughs) i i think if i tried to add more to it i would ruin it
0: (laughs) no that was really good julia thank you so much for um joining me today like i can't tell you how much i appreciate it um so so jazzed to be able to get to talk with you um besides shouting out a most agreeable murder do you know when it's coming out yet is there a date, or is this a "you tell me you gotta kill me" kind of thing? So,
1: <laughs> no, I can say it's probably coming out in spring 2023. It's gonna be a while. Oh, okay. Um, that date could change depending on you know many many factors, but that's right now what I'm looking at. So,
0: okay, 2023, guys. I know it's a moment. I know it's gonna <laughs> but be a I don't minute. Know. <laughs> Two years from now, guys, but we're gonna get the book. Um, <laughs> But I'm so excited to talk to you before you blow up and you're like, Natalia who? Whatever. Um, so, <laughs> um, but thank you, thank you again. Is there anything you want to give a shout out to, kudos to, before we head out? Kudos to you. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, Aw, thank that's you.
1: This so wonderful to
0: chat with you. Aw, oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. Um, Friends, thank you again to Julia. Thank you for listening to another episode of More Than a Pretty Face. Go ahead, like, review, rate, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Um, if you'd like to connect with the show, please do. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3. Um, and if you'd like to say hi um, or you want to come on the show, know someone to come on the show, please email me at PrettyFaceWomen at Mtapf podcast.com and talk to you
1: soon.